I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Deirdre King podcast with SJ and Eva B. Dublin, London, Madrid, Zoom podcast. And thank you for joining us. Eva, how was your first time back on set? Oh my gosh, it's, I was back at work. I was back at work. We just did one day because it was just this this one um, sequence on, on a beach, um, which was beautiful. Um, and it was so nice being back on a set. It has been so was long. It? it was so, so nice. And all the, you know, fears and worries I had um, before going, not that it was, I mean, there wasn't many because this was just you know, one day and a train journey away. Um, it was a nice way to dip my toe back into it before I go away next month um, for longer. It was lovely and it, and it was I was it was really exciting. It was really, really exciting. I I always sleep really badly the night before a job. I'm sure you're the same. All the anxieties, hotel bed, you think you're going to miss your alarm and I never sleep a wink. I slept like a baby. <laughs> I just had the best <laughs> night's sleep. Brilliant. I just, just like, oh, oh, no. I couldn't believe it. it was in a hotel room. It was just like, oh my God, I have on your to go own. To bed. Like, I don't know, on my own, I have no kids to put to bed. And I slept like a log. Oh, um, great start. Nice. Great start. And the people were so lovely. What I absolutely missed from the get go, because it's very um, apparent, is obviously everybody's masked up. So you, it, you just miss seeing people's smiles and their faces. And that was, you know, from the beginning of the day to the end, she's like, oh, I just mm. can't wish I could see their faces. Our, our communication isn't the same, isn't it, when you can't see the smiles? It's not. It's You're not. Trying it's to funny. smile more with your eyes. I've discovered yeah. I'm trying to smile more with my eyes. Yeah. Know yeah. yeah. And the poor first AD is there trying to project on a beach where there's the noise of the waves and the wind and he's got a mask on um, and he's trying to shout action from a hundred yards away and we can't hear a thing. Um, but it was, but it was lovely just to be back in that, you know, the camaraderie of it, the, you know, we could still have the crack. I'd say the upside from, of it is that because you can't really stand around chatting in the same way, because we're not, we're not communicating as easily because of being masked up is that things do move along a bit quicker it's a bit more efficient because you just have to get on with it so that's probably an upside I'd say now to people that's one day on a set I'm sure if we spoke to people who were filming you know every day all day every day it's also slowed down in many ways because of restrictions and guidelines and distancing and bubbles and everything mm-hmm. so that's just one aspect of it I'm very aware but ultimately it was lovely lovely to be working well Very done. Nice. Yay, brilliant. Well done. I saw an amazing movie. Amazing movie. I won't ruin it for either of you, but Promising Young Women is oh, just... Oh, I saw it. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? What a directorial debut. I mean, Jesus, how impressive is that? Very inspiring for you two as, uh, as up-and-coming filmmakers. Um, Very yeah. inspiring. Yeah. How old so, is this woman who made this? What's her name? Her name is Emerald Fennell. Um, and yeah. I, I think she's she's in her 30s she's early yeah. 30s yeah. yeah um killing eve she did wrote a good bit on that but this is her first 
Um, you know her from The Crown. She plays Camilla in The Crown. Oh, that's right. I mean, how yeah. unbelievable yeah. is that? But this yeah. is what a year storm. she's having. Jeez. What a year, though. I mean, yeah. she kind of that because that Crown season, I think, just came out this year, did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, it you did. know, relatively yeah, recently. Yeah. To have, yeah. For her to appear as Camilla in that mm-hmm. and have her first feature film. And, and. Oscar nominated. Oscar nominated. She won. She won yeah. for Best Screenplay. I was yeah. thrilled with that. She won for Best Original Screenplay. So she won oh. the BAFTA for that and she won the Writers Guild for that. Nominated for a few Globes. But when she was filming her, when she was directing first time, she was seven months pregnant. Pregnant, I know. Oh my mercy! I can't I mean, believe this. the woman is incredible. <laughs> a machine, and she did it all when she was seven months pregnant. She shot the film when she was seven yeah. months pregnant, and then at the Oscar, cool. she's carrying her second child at the Oscars, and she's just, I think, such a inspiring um, woman who is showing the rest of us how possible it is that you well, can make incredible um, work um, whilst bringing up your children. Okay, so Fenella, Fenella. No, Emerald Fennel. Fenella, Emerald. Classic okay in the moment, getting the name wrong. Okay, Emerald Fennel, it's fair to say she's having the best pandemic of anyone on the planet. She absolutely is, yeah. yeah. And yeah, the bottom yeah. line is, it's a very good time to be a woman. It's a very it good time in history yeah. to be female. It is. It is not to undermine the brilliance of the fact that, like, finally we're getting to that point. But there is still a huge imbalance in the opportunities that not just women are given, but but people from working class backgrounds. There is such a difference in the industry between people who don't have the same opportunities that mm. other people have. And so it, it, I know there's still, there's still a way to go class aside, sex wise, Chloe is Chloe's is only the second woman to ever win an Oscar. And I think it's up slightly. Numbers are up slightly. Um, there were 70 women this year that earned Oscar nominations compared to 65 last year. And I think it was 56 the year before. So the numbers are definitely up, but I think you're, you're, you're right. SD. I think the danger is, is that people just kind of go, Oh, well, the numbers are up for the, for the women. That's grand. Okay. And, 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 and move on. Yeah. No, um, it's still that, very, it's still early days. Yeah, it's still a long way to go. Of society. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So until there are women at the top and across everything and, and the same yeah. until there are black people and Asian people, yeah. and Latinos across everything, then it can't be as immersive and diversive as it should be. So there's a huge way to go, but it has begun. The change has started for sure. And now that we're on that subject, I have to tell you how unbelievably grown up I I was this week. I did something really grown up. Do you remember being at school and say around fifth or sixth year, the career guidance teacher used to go to career guidance and discuss what you wanted to do for a living. And then they would create mock interviews now, I don't ever yeah. remember doing a mock interview, but I think they've been around for a while. But they they basically, the school kind of goes to the parents and finds out, you know, okay, so here's a kid who wants to be a lawyer. There's about to be a parent who's a lawyer. We'll set up a mock interview. So I was asked if I would talk to two students from the school who wanted to be actors. 
lads. <laughs> I just felt like, oh my God, I, I remember going to the career guidance teacher at school and telling her I wanted to be an actress. And here I was being the bloody person, the old person, you know, the old person that you speak to, to talk them through. But anyway, they were gorgeous kids and it was really interesting to do it. But I just thought, wow, I've come full circle now. I am the elder, <laughs> you know, I am the, it was just a very grown up thing. <laughs> And what what advice did you impart, wise one? (laughs) Always I give the same advice. Is there anything else you'd consider doing? (laughs) Is there is there is there even trying to put them off? (laughs) Is there even a tiny percentage of you that thinks, you know what, I also like catering or I also (laughs) like you know, is there any one little thing that you think you'd like? Because this job is a vocation. And then I, I, but because you don't want to be so negative, of course, I say, I do not want to rain on your parade because passion is everything. And, and if you want this, you will get this. I really believe that. But I also believe that the only people who get it are the people for whom there isn't an alternative. They're committed. They're like, I'm never going to leave this, no matter how shit it is, no matter how broke I am. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to keep going. Yes, I might diversify a little bit within that industry, but I ain't going to leave it and go and run a cafe. You know, you know, I think we're like that, right? It's just the blinders on this. These are my people. This is my tribe. This is my industry. I won't be doing anything else. And we say there is no plan B. Right. Mm. So, so I guess I was trying to get out of them. How much of the vocation do you think this is? Are you at 100%? Because you need to be at 100%. It's too competitive. There's not enough work. At any given time, 99% of actors are unemployed. That's the reality. You know, so yeah. then I think when you're starting out, looking back, when you're starting out, you absolutely think, oh God, yeah, 100%. It's my vocation. It's what I want to do. I'm so passionate. I'm the most passionate person. And it's not until you experience the real rough side of it and, and the, the rejections and the years of not getting what you want, not getting the jobs, doing the jobs you never thought you would do. It's whether you're in it for the long game. I think only a few yeah. years in, you'll start to be really tested and see, okay, is this my vocation or not? You know, because I well, think everybody's the- starting out is just like, yep. Absolutely. I know. And the dropout rate 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 is so high. I think like, so we were discussing drama school and degrees. So there are now loads of degrees. So I I was saying to them, you don't have to do a degree in drama. You don't have to go to acting school. Go to college and be in drama sock from morning till night. You'll learn as much and you'll have a degree. So that's an option. You know, that's a real option because of course, both of them had their parents were demented going uh, like, this is the worst business you could possibly go into. Everybody wants to do it and there's no work. But anyway, look at what are you going to do? I think, as I said to them, at least you've got a passion for something. You you know, there's something that you like. It's the kids who have no inclination or no particular passion for anything that you feel really sorry for because they just haven't found it yet. And why would they? They're only kids. They don't need to know now. What age were they? 17. 17. Yeah, because they're all leaving school later now, like 18 or 19. They're much older than we were. Yeah, but they're having, but they're at the stage where they're having to make a decision about what's next. Oh, they've got to choose what. Yeah, so they're at that point. Yeah, yeah, they've got to choose what to put down on their forms and what degrees to go for and what courses to go for and all that. Um, What did you did you did you study? Did you go to university? What was your? Well, there wasn't there wasn't anything. This is the the tragedy. Like I was a kid who desperately needed to go to drama school. I had no discipline. I didn't know anything about the business. I didn't know anyone in it. I hadn't a clue, and I just 
kind of feel like I learned everything the hard way and therefore the long way. You know what I mean? Like not being prepared enough for auditions, not, you know, I just didn't know. I didn't know. And if I'd been in drama school for two years, I would have learned that. There would have, uh, would have changed me entirely. So what I did do was I went to the College of Marketing. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's connected. Yeah. Did you say because you could market yourself? <laughs> honestly, when I, when I did, I did go to a career guidance teacher in sixth year and tell her that I wanted to be an actress. And she was a lovely woman, Mrs. Canelli. And she was very softly spoken. And she had only just come to the school. She was new. And before that, I'd actually been to career guidance, I think, for several years. And every time I'd said I wanted to be an actress, because I, I wanted to be an actress when I was quite young. They said, uh, okay, yeah, okay, I don't know how you do that. Well, you'd need to do a backup course anyway, that's for sure, because there, there certainly wouldn't be easy to get the work. So I'd suggest you do the secretarial course or nursing and <laughs> oh, have something sake. to fall back on was, was the advice until this lovely woman came and she was different. And she said, oh, right, okay. I've never, um, I've never actually met anybody who wants to be an actress yet. I'm, I'll tell you now, I'll be honest with you, I don't know anything about it, but I will go away and find out. And sure enough, she came back and she told me about the degree course in Trinity, which was brand new at the time. The degree course in Trinity, the drama degree, requires you to have 560 points, which is the same as the points, I think, for... yeah. Veterinary. I don't know. I like it. They're, they're sky high. Um, but anyway, she told me about it and it did exist. And I did apply for it. And there was an interview part. And I did the interview and I got that, got my name right and answered all the questions <laughs> correctly. And then, of course, there's no hope I was going to get anything like those points. I wasn't an academic kid. Um, I got a very average leave in search. So, so that didn't happen. And there were no drama schools. There were no drama schools in Ireland. And at the time, I didn't even think about going to England because all I thought was it was wildly expensive and we were in the midst of the 80s recession and like there was no way my parents weren't in a good place. So there wasn't a chance I was going to ask them. I didn't even put it to them. I wouldn't have dreamt of it. Um, so, so I went to the College of Marketing because I had to put something down in the form. And while I was in there, the very first Gaiety School of Acting course was advertised in the back of the Irish Times. It was a nine week course and, and I applied to do it. And they made quite a big thing of it because it was the first one and thousands applied and all the rest of it. Anyway, I got in and I did it. It was a nine week course at night, like literally like two or three hours a night. It wasn't it wasn't training, but it was something. It was something. Start. And it, yeah. yeah. And it got me in. I, they gave me a, a at the end of it, uh, Joe Dowling ran the course and he said he was doing a production of Borstal Boy at the Gaiety. And he said, do any of you want to be extras in this? And I put my name down and said, yes, yes, yes. I was desperate to get out of the College of Marketing at this point because all I did was smoke facts and drink, <laughs> drink coffee all day in the canteen and talk. You know, I just talk, as you know, nothing's changed there. Talk and talk and talk and, um, and couldn't spell marketing. So there wasn't a chance I was going to sit an exam. Do you know what I remember about that time? That's really interesting. When I started the course, I, I used to actually get the reason I stayed at the College of Marketing for the year was that I used to get 30 quid a week. I was paid, paid oh, wow. to do it. They paid you. That's terrible marketing. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they went wrong. I know. And I get to smoke fags and drink coffee. Jesus. And I tell you something else. I think I lived <laughs> off that money. Do you remember oh, when you, we were just poverty stricken? Oh, Jesus. How poor yeah. we were. Like, like this, genuinely. That like, was my rent. My rent was 30 quid a week. I remember that for the first flat I lived in in, in Dublin. It was 30 quid. It's a total shithole. Yeah. It was a shithole. Yeah, but it was my shithole. And it was yeah, 30 quid a week. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we, would we all lived in those here. kips. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't do that now. I mean, there aren't the kids don't really exist either. You know, the standards have all gone up, but I don't think the kids would do it now. No, wouldn't go into not. them. They'd look at them. No, they wouldn't. No, no. I mean, looking yeah. back, there was a there was a fire in the room that I was renting <laughs> when I moved <laughs> before I moved in. Not while you were in it. Not while I was in it, but before I moved in, but nobody had done the cleanup. So I went into the room. I said yes to to to, to live in there before I even saw the place because my mother had. Um, <laughs> she had behind my back signed me into a convent run by nuns, obviously, what? like a, um, a hostel. It was a hostel. It was when I was sorry, I'm taking away from the story, but we're going to get back to you how you got into acting. Oh, it's <laughs> okay. It's not that interesting. <laughs> it was like leading up to me leaving home. So I was like, I, I had done the performing arts course in Derry, and then I, and that I'd, from that, I decided I wanted to be an actor. And I go and I applied to the Gaiety School full time course, which was then up and running. Um, it was on Suffolk Street. Then I applied to that, got in, delighted. So I was moving out, moving back to leaving Derry, moving back down to Dublin, and thought in my mind I would get digs with some cool actors and I had like of you course. know just house with lots of actors and it'd be amazing. Living the dream. Little did I know that living the dream. My mother behind my back went off for a night or two didn't say where she was going. She said she was going down to Dublin, which wasn't uncommon. And she came back and she said, um, so I found you somewhere to live. And I was like, what do you mean you found me somewhere to live? I'm going to find me somewhere to live when I get down there. I meet some of the people from my course. I'll find somewhere to live. No, no, I found you somewhere to live. She said, it's walking distance to the Gacy School. So that's great. It's in a lovely area and it's a 10-minute walk to Suffolk Street. And I was like, right. And who am I living with? And she went, well, there's a few, there's a few um, people of your age there. And um, so it'll be lovely and social. And I was like, yeah, who am I living it with? Where, where is it? And she said, well, it's called um, Sister of Marie Auxiliatrice. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Uh, it's um, like a hostel called That name Sister sounded made up and it, and it wasn't made up, Sister, was it? Uh, no, Sister of Marie Auxiliatrice. And it was a hostel run by nuns. I had to share a room for the first time in my life. I had oh, never wow. shared a room. There was um, a curfew that you had to be in by a certain time. You oh, sat there, there's meals prepared. <laughs> like, like Brooklyn, that's like 1950s. Like, like, exactly. <laughs> but, but with about, about 80 young women. Like it was massive. There's floors, <laughs> floors. It was like a, it was like a boarding school. And how long, and did, you, signed, how long did you last in that? She had paid. She had paid for like two terms or something, which was something like I went in the September and I think I was supposed to be there to something like the following April, but I was going out of my mind. Oh, I was going God. out of my mind. And I got a boyfriend very quickly when I got down there. Well, that's what your mother was thinking. She was thinking, <laughs> oh, she, there'll be no boyfriends coming yeah, back. She'll get herself a boyfriend. Place, <laughs> exactly. At least I know she'll be in the convent. I know where she'll be. She'll be safe, locked up with the nuns. There'll be no hanky-panky. So behind my mother's back, I retaliated. I rebelled. And the first offer of a, of a house came up. It was a little, tiny, little two-bed place. And I took it. It was 30 quid a week. Shared with a lovely fella who became a very good friend. Um, but my room had you no fear. Had you no fear about sharing with the fella? Because back then, on your you know, I mean, nineteen, like, what did you know? You were only no, away from home. See, I had a boyfriend, and he was a oh, friend a of the boyfriend. So, oh, yeah, right. it wasn't a yeah. stranger. Yeah, it wasn't a stranger. No, no, no. Uh, and he, but there was a fire. Really there was a fire. Really nice. 
So there's a fire in the bedroom. So I went into the bedroom for the first time, having paid my deposit, went in and the room was just covered in black soot, like covered like six inches of soot on everything. There was the base of a bed with, oh, there was a mattress there as well. The mattress had every conceivable stain you could make out under this soot, the black soot. It was just like somebody had died on it um, after after a very heavy period. Like it was disgusting. The windows were grime on the windows. Like it was a manky. I chucked out the mattress and I slept on just an old broken base for like the first month because I had no mattress to sleep on. But my mother came down it's to see. So she was mad. horrified. Horrified when I told her. I'm, I've moved. I've left the convent. I've left the nuns. I found a place. What do you mean you found a place? I'm coming down. She drove down literally that evening and she walked into the place and she took one look and she <laughs> pulled me outside so my flatmate couldn't hear me. And she just looked at me and she went, No. No, <laughs> you're not staying here. And I said, I paid the rent. I'm staying. And that was it. She had no choice. I'm an adult. I've left home and I've paid the rent. Oh, my 30 oh well done you. Brilliant. And I was there for a year and I had to blast. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, were you in the Gaiety School? Was that a two-year course at the time or one year? What was it? That was two-year full-time. Two-year full-time course, yeah. So can I just ask you, at what age did you know you wanted to be an actor? I want to ask both of you that. Did you know very young? No, no, I didn't. I only did the performing arts course in Derry because I had done my GCSEs and then I repeated them because I missed out on a year when I did the move from Dublin to Derry. So I kind of went into the wrong year. Um, and then realized halfway through it was too late. So I was quite behind everybody. So I had to repeat my GCSEs. And then I didn't want to stay at that school. Um, and this new course came up in the tech in Derry, which was a B-Tech diploma in performing arts, brand new course. And I just thought, I'll just do that just to bide me some time to like, figure out what I want to do. And I'm like vaguely interested in more behind the scenes stuff, you know, like lighting mm. design, stage design. I was a little bit interested in, but I, I hadn't really done much drama um, before that so it wasn't there was no vocation there was no you know um thoughts of being an actor to do or thoughts of being an actor at all and then I, I i did the course and i had a wonderful wonderful um drama teacher acting teacher called gordon fulton and he was um just really encouraging and i think it was the first time that i ever felt like oh i can do this something clicked where i went I like this and I feel like I could, I could be good at this. And it was, I remember that was a new feeling for me that it kind of something suddenly was sparked and I thought, Oh, okay, this is exciting. And he was very sort of encouraging. Um, But I thought that what I should do is go and train at an acting school that was just solely acting. And that's when I went to the Gaiety school after that. And what about you, Eva? What or SJ? Here I go again with all the names. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was very fortunate to grow up in Tralee, where I was a member of Shim Satira, the National Folk Theatre. So, I, from the age of seven, I trained in Fenuig once a week. You go out to the uh, the training centre, and then you had to audition to be part of the the main Shim Satira company, which I did when I was probably around nine. And so from the age of nine, I was performing inverted commas professionally every summer on stage. And also I would go away on tour and um, father Pat Ahern um, founded Shim Satira. You know, he continues to be a huge influence on my life because he, he was a master at what he did. And he was all of the discipline and the professionalism that you learn in drama school if you haven't had any experience 
which most people don't, I got, I got all of that from him, from working for this professional company. You were, you were working professionally in yeah, a professional yeah, environment. from a very young, young age. And That's so, and, and touring and everything, you know, and I was fortunate enough to be a part of that. It just was a no brainer. I thought I can make a living doing this. Yeah, I, I just want to do this. And then when it was time for me to go to the school counsellor, um, his name was Mr. Lynch. For me, I was just very sure. This is all I want to do. Um, and he got the information about the Gaiety School. And um, there was a bit of hesitation on my parents' part. And they were apprehensive, of course, as most parents would be mm. if your child wants to go into an industry that is very precarious. And so I got into the Gaiety School and it was a full-time course for one year. And so the thought was I could do the one year course and then I would go to college and get a degree. And the year that I got in, they changed it to a two year course. And my dad said, no, you're not going. <gasps> you're not oh going. My God. And did this cause great heartache and was there tears and gnashing of teeth? Was there what? My father and I were, were very close and I was roaring crying all of the, the predictable, you are ruining my life. I'll never forget this exchange. I ran up to my room and I was in floods of tears. I couldn't believe it. This is all I wanted to do. And he stormed up the stairs and he opened the door and he yelled at me and he said, you are going to go to college and you are going to grow up and you are going to get yourself a degree. And with that degree, you can walk into any room anywhere in the world with your head held high, knowing you have as much right to be there as anyone. And, and he closed the door. And I was shaking and like, oh my God, oh my God. Like, yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm very emotional by your dad's speech there. He brought a tear to my eye, but his passion and what he said, it's really... Um, it really struck me about his wisdom. He was very wise, wasn't he? And, but so, also, obviously, his value on education was completely. with a degree, you can walk into any room in the world. And he, that, that's a great yeah. way to put it, isn't it? He was absolutely right in that I had so much growing up to do. And I'm very glad that I did that in those college years. And then I kind of rebelled and got all of that out of my system so that by the time I had left college... I know exactly what I want to do now. And I don't want to waste any time. I felt like... Well, it, shows, it shows real um, strength of character, I think, as well, where you accepted your, what might have seemed like your fate initially, but you got, you got your degree, you did it. Um, and then you went, okay, but I still want to be an actor. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll fight go. And that's real strength of character as well. And you can you know, also all... walk into any room holding your head up high going, I followed my dream. Thank you very much. It, but it does come back to the vocation question, like where I knew what I wanted to do. And I knew I was ticking those boxes in UCD. And after there's that, I wasn't going to do a master's in business or I wasn't going to go and get a postgrad, which all my friends were going to do. I was just going to go and go and work as an actor. So and how but, did you make that happen? I just knocked on doors. I just went around with my CV and just went... Um, I want a job and I got one job and then I and then I just kept working in theatre. But when you say you just... want a job, you, did, you weren't asking for a job as an actress. You did yeah. just say, I want to work in this theatre. No, 
God, I want it to seems like so so much simpler times. Yeah, because if you suggested to a kid now that they do that, like just oh no, just, fly. It just wasn't done. And it wasn't no. it wasn't even done then either. Like you know, you still needed an agent, and I was knocking on those doors as well. I mean, there was such confidence and boldness of like. I just want to get a, a job and just give me one, you know, <laughs> like, like well, actually it. having, having just, I'm going to contradict myself because I've been just said that wouldn't fly. If you said it to a kid, I still think if a very passionate kid arrived at the door of anywhere and said, I'll do anything here, people would respond somehow to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you do. So jumping forward to the present day when I, I was casting for so my first time experience as a director and I was looking for the lead in the film and the actresses that were coming in were all experienced. But Hazel, who I ended up casting, she turned around to me at the end of the audition. I didn't, I didn't cast her because she said this, but it struck me listening, observing a, a young actor who, whose vocation it is and who has that confidence. And she turned around and she said, I have to play this part. I have connected with this part. And I have to play it. And she did it very clearly, very directly, straight to me. I won't let you down. I can't let go of it. I was like, okay. And I was just like, then thank you. That's brilliant. Okay. It's lovely great to meet you and everything. Power in that but it, it was, it really struck yeah. me that confidence. Yeah. She owned and, it, you know? And yeah. I felt like that yeah. and not gotten yeah. it. Yeah. And not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, I have in the past, like years ago, written directors and gone, I need to play this part. I have to play this part. I think I should play this part. Give me the part. And I've never heard back from them. <laughs> same, same. I, I didn't play the part. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I remember once auditioning for my husband who was making a film uh, and I was not cast. Oh. Uh, and, you know, oh. <laughs> he wasn't my husband at the time, but we were living oh, together. It was, <laughs> was very difficult. It was very emotional. And it was a big role. It was a decent role. I wasn't wrong for it. Yeah. Um, anyway, listen, I auditioned and it was just so difficult. And I'll always remember him having to tell me, tell me that he wasn't going to cast me. You can imagine the things that were withheld for quite a while. <laughs> the dry few months in the OK household. <laughs> 
a meal kit didn't I wasn't successful how can it not be successful it's like cooking for idiots no offense but it's like <laughs> the most great okay. board. it comes in a box it has the method you follow yeah. the method and you eat it okay well here's the problem so I ordered I went to a company I won't name and I got there was a family family meal kit and it was for three days of the week okay so three meals arrived don't ask me why they didn't do five, but I thought, well, three is plenty. No, and not. two of the meals were successful. Right. Not like we didn't adore them, but right. they were nice and they were eaten. And I enjoyed not having to think what's for the dinner mm-hmm. and not having to think is the thing there. But the third meal was a disaster. Okay. It wasn't a nice recipe. Okay. okay. So it's not your fault. It was the recipe wasn't great. Wasn't did you a great pick recipe. The recipes, or did you on the on the on the meal kit for family? You couldn't. They they sent you the three, and if there was one that you could swap it out and pay a little bit extra to swap it for a different meal. Um, so if there was something that you just knew your family weren't going to eat, you you could swap that out for for okay. one that's on the classic menu, right? So this menu sounded absolutely fine. It was a pasta bake. I mean, could it be more simple? A tomato-based meatball. It was meat sausage meatballs with a tomato. We wouldn't normally do sausage meatball, but I thought they like sausages, sausage meat, meatball, bake, pasta bake. Sounds fine. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. So everything is meant to come measured out, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I found it quite disheartening to find... Okay, go back to one of the other meals that did work. When you open a brown paper bag that has two potatoes and a lemon in it. (laughs) I found that a little bit disheartening. I thought, oh God, I'm after paying. I'm after paying for two potatoes and a lemon lemon. in that bag. And there's two potatoes and a lemon in in another brown bag. (laughs) Uh, And then there was, okay, all the ingredients are there. And the ingredients looked lovely and fresh and they were. But this recipe anyway, had measured out oregano, Okay, the herb that was to go in the pasta and breadcrumbs. Jesus, Mary and St. Joseph, I never saw I, I never saw such an amount of oregano in the whole of my life. I mean, I'd say it was the contents of two full jars of the herb, of the dried herb. Oh, maybe more. It looked like a big bag of cannabis. I was kind of delighted <laughs> when, I, when I first saw it. I thought, sure, I think that's that I paid for. Here, they sent me the wrong package. Uh, but no, sure enough, it was oregano. And as I was putting it in, I thought, this is too much oregano. Yeah. Could, this couldn't be right. But they'd measured everything out. Like there was a little cup of balsamic vinegar that was also to go into it. Yeah. Did not, when you looked at your um, ingredients list, if it's the yeah. same as similar to the company that we use, there's the ingredients list on one side and the method on the other side. And it yeah. gives you, on the ingredient side, it gives you the measurements that you should find in your bag. So did it say one teaspoon of oregano and in your little measured out thing there's one teaspoon of oregano does it say that no it just said oregano and you had the the bag so i presumed that they have measured everything yeah. for you yeah. because yeah. the balsamic vinegar tub was quite small so i yeah. thought that's obviously that, the amount yeah. Yeah. of balsamic vinegar so i took it at face value that this was the right amount but i thought i'd never ever in my life cook with that amount of oregano in it went um to say that we were picking oregano out of our teeth for the next today is an, is an understatement, right? So then that went in. That was mixed. The next method was to mix cheddar cheese grated with breadcrumbs. It looked like it didn't look like food. It, it looked like sawdust off the floor of a timber yard. It really did. And, and when I poured it, I mixed the grated cheese with it. And when I poured it on top, it kind of sank like quicksand. 
anyway, I put it into the oven and I said, I don't have high hopes for this. <laughs> and when I put it on the table, it looked good. It looked good. And then if you'd see, heard the commentary, if you'd heard the commentary from, from the family, I mean, everybody went, what's the herb? It's a very strong herb. And then damn it, this is... This is rank. Rank is his favorite word. This is rank and very dry. It's very dry. So when you put your spoon into it, all of the sawdust sank down into the tomato sauce. So there was, it was, became incredibly stodgy and dry. That that doesn't sound great. Yeah. And I put a lot of work into it, to be quite honest with you as well. I had to take the skins off the sausages and make the meatballs. So I thought this is an awful lot of work. That's so let, I want to get back to you because you've had positive experience. So tell me about your, tell me what it's meant to be. Well, it, it has literally turned around our, well, my mood for starters. Yeah. The whole culinary experience at home because before having joined up with one of these companies, Ross just didn't cook. Give him a barbecue in summertime, grand. Give him, you know, he'll cook a kid's meal. But he, he just had no headspace to think of dinner after work i have to what like buy ingredients now what we're gonna all that fat that goes around you know they yeah. have to do before actually cooking the meal he just didn't have the headspace for so he just never cooked so that meant i was generally cooking most kids meals because he was still at work and then something for us in the evening so that and then something for us in the evening just became a stir fry every single night of the week but also who's got the energy to cook <laughs> two <laughs> meals we have got the cooking energy for that and then nobody and happens. everyone wants to do that let's have one meal and eat as a family but that's really difficult with toddlers well, and right? the timings and he's not getting home till yeah. half six in the evening the kids have to eat before then so then lockdown happened and it was the same for everybody it was the constant cooking and feeding and snacks during lockdown. Uh, we're still I doing it. lost my fucking mind. I lost my mind. I, a, I couldn't get my head around the quantities of food of when I had to shop. Everybody's eating so much more and Ross is home for all the meals as well. Food is just gone in an instant. I just thought, I can't keep, I can't keep up with this. I'm still and doing I, it, Eva. I'm you're still, still doing it. it. I, I mean, my, my heart breaks it. for you. Yeah. yeah. So I lost all love of cooking in fact I lost the love of cooking not long after I had kids I used to love to have a dinner party and have friends over and spend hours in the cook uh, cooking in the kitchen whilst drinking some lovely wine then kids come and of course none of that can happen at all and I I fell out of love of cooking so when somebody suggested to me get the meal kits get the meal kits because it all comes ready also we were spending a, a fortune on delivery because I got so even the stir fries <laughs> I couldn't look another stir fry. You see, this is what I love about you and the meal kits is that because most people think of them as really expensive and indulgent, but actually you thought it saved you money. It definitely saved us money. A, because we weren't ordering delivery three or four times a week. So we're spending a stupid amount of money on that. Cut that right back. We'll get four meals out of the week for 35 quid. That's incredible. Brilliant. Amazing. And it means because it's all broken down. We now we said went with one company. I won't name names. That we're only all right to be in with. Okay, so I think I just need to keep going. You might need to keep going. The second company with just the quality of the ingredients. Ingredients are much better. But it just means that all the bits that Ross said he couldn't do. I pick a recipe, go buy the ingredients, whatever. It's done for you. You open your little brown paper bag. You get your ingredient ingredients out, and it's really foolproof cooking did you ever open a bag and see two potatoes and a lemon (laughs) (laughs) the first company it was courgettes there was courgettes with everything because they're cheap so there's literally every brown paper bag you'd open up and you go jeez Uh, fucking courgette yeah so 
not anymore. This new, this other company are better. The quality of ingredients are better and the variety is better, but you also get to pick your dishes. And the odd time that we've, the odd time has happened quite a bit actually, where we've forgotten to pick our dishes for the week, you get the company picks the dishes and there'll always be a dud one that you'd never pick for yourself. And then the others are kind of generally okay. We do get to pick your-, your, your I, Can I ask you this? Was there a lot of prep in them? It seemed to be an awful lot of work. It, uh, most of them, no. Most of them was kind of like maybe 10 minutes of prep and then the rest is cooking time. There'd been the odd dish where you go, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm chopping and I'm sauteing. Then there's a blender going on here. And this is just, actually, this is just too much this now. I don't, now. I'm still in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm properly yeah. cooking. I don't want to properly cook. This is not I what I signed up for. Cooking. Yeah, I yeah. want to throw it all, all in one pot and yeah. suck it in the oven and it's done. Yeah. So, no, yes, there are those those dishes that, that might require a little bit more. But generally and, speaking, they're pretty straightforward. And does yeah. Ross cook now too? All the time. That's that's, that's, that is, that's the beauty of it. He Brilliant. now cooks all the time. Oh, that is turns. a result. We take turns night on, night off. Listen, the kid, remember, the kids have only gone back to school. So what we were doing every single day was breakfast, lunch and dinner. Exactly. Every single yeah. day. Horrendous. Endless amounts of huge amounts of shopping and huge amounts. The dishwasher's never off. It's just, oh God, so over. Yeah. But when, you, but anyway. when you completely lose the, the, the love of cooking, as we all did during lockdown, I mean, I was churning out muck. Because <laughs> there was no love in it whatsoever, and I remember sitting at the at the at the kitchen table with, with uh, the four of us sitting there, and Jesse saying, "I I really I I don't like this sausage," and it was a piece of fish. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, Joni had turned around from her plate to the arts and craft box of cider and was gnawing on a piece of chalk. <laughs> he chose chalk over my cooking and I couldn't blame him. It was rank. Like it just, it went, I went downhill with it. So the okay, meal kit. So I'm, gonna give, I'm going to give it another go. I'll report to you next week. Thank you so much for joining us and listening to us wherever you are. Maybe you're out on one of your walks, continuing to do the steps. God love you. Uh, but thanks for listening to us with this week's episode, which is called Degree or Not Degree. This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Please don't forget to subscribe. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.